It's the first day of March, and at Campbell University, it's a typical late winter day. The weather is getting warmer, the trees in the academic circle are starting to bloom pink flowers, and students are shedding their coats. It's quiet here, peaceful. A classroom on the second floor of D. Rich Hall is filling up. The seats are all taken, and the late arrivals have chosen to stay and stand along the walls in the back. Professors are hovering outside the door. They're all here because 5,000 miles away, it's anything but quiet, anything but peaceful. Professors from the College of Arts and Sciences History and Political Science Departments are hosting a quickly put together faculty panel to talk about the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which on March 1st was entering its sixth day. In the U.S., the majority of Americans have consumed coverage of the invasion through TV or through social media. The majority of Americans also have questions about the history leading up to the violence. Many worry about future U.S. involvement. There hasn't been a world war in nearly 80 years and many fear that we might be on the brink of one. Um, so I think, question for all of you, but uh, I think I read this morning that Belarus was sending in troops to Ukraine and siding with the Russians. Do you know why there are several things that just don't really add up with uh, how the war or the invasion is being carried out. And it, it's happening at the exact same time that there's uh, with China over Taiwan. Okay, so, so this morning I was watching the news and apparently Russia had told its troops to be on like nuclear standby or something like that. Um, so if, say, Russia were to launch like a nuclear attack on Ukraine, what is the possibility of that happening? And Campbell University is equipped to answer these questions. Dr. Ethan Alexander Davy is an assistant professor of political science who earned his bachelor's degree in Russian and ancient Greek from Amherst College, and his master in philosophy degree in Russian studies from Cambridge. Dr. David Thornton is an associate professor of political science and history, whose fields of research has included international relations and European politics. Dr. David Beans is an assistant professor of security and computing, and he was a former NATO and European Union officer for the U.S. European Command in Germany. And Dr. Jacqueline Stanky, is an associate professor of history whose research has included U.S.-Soviet Cold War relations and Cold War popular culture. About 40 minutes of this hour-long panel was spent answering questions. The professors don't claim to know everything about what's going on, nor do they have the answers about where this is all heading. But then again, who does? What they are able to do, though, on this day, is provide insight, to share their experience, to squash rumors, and hopefully ease a few worries. All right, so um, I thought uh, recently I was interviewed about the historical disagreement between uh, Ukraine and Russia. And there was a part of me that wanted to say, where do I begin, okay? Um, how far back do I want to go? And so I think for just today, with the immediate thing is, is an, I can take this off for a little bit, right? Okay is um, I'll go back to 1991 when the Soviet Union broke apart. 
and um, as it was breaking apart is uh, many of, uh, well, it's a few days after this successful faculty panel, I was able to sit down with Dr. Stanky and talk more about her research, to talk about her experiences in Ukraine, and to talk about her emotions as she's watched a country that she fell in love with get torn apart by another country whose history she studied since her own college days. Now, I've been co-host of this podcast for 80 episodes. Longtime co-host Kate Stoneburner has moved on to bigger things in her writing career, so instead of wallowing in sadness of losing a colleague and a friend, I'm taking this podcast in a slightly different direction. More storytelling, hopefully deeper interviews, and unfortunately for me, more editing. So without further ado, our guest this week is Dr. Jacqueline Stanky, Associate Professor of History and an expert on U.S.-Russian Cold War history. I'm Billy Liggett, Director of News and Publications at Campbell University, and this Rhymes with Orange. I use Wikipedia well. I will just say that. No, no, and um, I was—I I didn't even realize the story was already out and stuff until I got Britt Davis's email. Oh, yeah, and, I just posted um, it this morning. I'm sitting in Dr. Stanky's office on the first floor of D. Rich. It's a messy office, and those are her words, but I won't argue with them. It's been a long week, she admits, not only keeping up with the news a half a world away, but also working it into her courses at Campbell. I began by asking her about that faculty panel a week earlier. You walked into that room, you looked like, I would guess, you may, might have been a little bit surprised. It was standing room only, and, and it was well, very well attended. Were, were you surprised that there was so much interest on an event that, as you said, was put together pretty quickly? And Yes and no. My fear was because we are coming into midterms that um, students would not be able to attend. Right. Um, but I had been getting a lot of questions from students in class. I, I teach a class right now on Russia and Eastern Europe since 1850, and so we are devoting a good portion of the day when we start on that. Okay. Um, but I've also been getting questions from students in my other classes that have nothing to do with it. So. Um, I think as students heard about it, we we actually thought about getting a bigger room, but then we thought, well, if we do then we'll have five people. Sure. So I will admit the short version is, is yes. <laughs> I was very pleased by the interest, and I've been pleased by students' questions. How do you explain that interest? Like, for people like me, countries are invading other countries all the time, I, I guess. <laughs> Countries are invading other countries. Um, why? Why this why, one? Why is this one? Why does this have not only our attention, but why does this have the world's attention right now? Um, that is a really good question, and I have been asking that myself. And I think, um, I think part of it is we have been part of the the West the international order since the end of World War II, and one, this is the world with which we are most familiar with, the fact that we're a NATO member. Um, but it came up in the discussion the other day, is we're used to 
hearing about maybe small conflicts somewhere else about regions we don't know that much about. Um, whereas we are most familiar with post-World War II history and the fact that you have kind of a traditional war going on here. A country has invaded another country. The other reason I've been wondering this myself is, is why is this getting so much attention? Is I think it's because you've got one of the world's superpowers doing it. Is I think because when we, when the United States is involved in conflicts overseas, we don't see the media and the information from the other side of how we are being portrayed. But um, I'm sure it's getting a lot of attention. But I think in this case, it's because it is a superpower. Um, and it's a grounding Russia's invasion of Ukraine is a 21st century news event, told mostly by the people experiencing it, told through social media. TikTok and Instagram videos are being shared all over the world, and it's trending 24-7 on Twitter. But the saturation of social media has had its downside. Not everything that's going out has been accurate. At one point in the faculty panel, a student asks about Snake Island, and the rumored demise of 13 Ukrainian soldiers there. Is, I'm sure you've heard when the question at the panel was about the Snake Island prisoners and stuff. It's like, were they, were they killed? Are they still alive and stuff? And um, I'm not sure if you've heard about the ghost of Kiev, the right where, um, you Has know. Has been debunked? Yet? Yes, okay. yes. <laughs> and so um, I do have um, Ukrainian uh, colleagues on my, my feed. And so I am watching things um, come through. And as I just actually told my US history class, I said, I think you guys know where my sympathies lie in this, where I look at this as just, it's naked aggression. And it's hard not to stand with Ukraine on this. Um, but we also have to be careful about the information we're receiving from different Stanky sides. says she's a child of the 80s, also known as the Cold War, when tensions between the US and the Soviet Union were at their peak. President Ronald Reagan and British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher altered Western foreign policy and increased diplomatic, economic, and military pressure on the Soviet Union in the early 80s, and this time presented the biggest threat of a nuclear strike since the Cuban Missile Crisis 20 years earlier. The U.S. boycotted the Summer Olympics in Moscow in 1980, and the Soviet Union in turn boycotted the 1984 Summer Games in Los Angeles. The Cold War began to decline with the ascension of reformist Mikhail Gorbachev in 1985. A few years later, toward the end of that decade, Stanky was entering college. And almost on a whim, she decided to study Russian. Um, I knew I was going to do political science. I was political science at that time. And um, so I double majored in political science and uh, then Russian language and literature. And I fell in love with the language. And... Um, to be quite honest with you, for the majority of my life, the focus was on Russia or the Soviet Union. And it wasn't until uh, I met a colleague at a conference from Ukraine 
and I had the chance to travel to Ukraine, that that became more important. Um, not in comparison to Russia, but it kind of put it on the map for me. It's not to say that I wasn't aware that it wasn't there. I took more interest in it because I did have that personal connection. And you know how it is when you actually do. She first that. visited Ukraine in 2011 and returned five years later in 2016. What she loved most was learning the history of the country. I had grown up with Ukraine as a Soviet republic, mm -hmm. okay? But also aware that, you know, this was the origins of Kievan Rus <laughs> um, from the medieval period. So I don't think I went in with any expectations whatsoever. Um, what I did want to see, I do remember when I went to the capital was the spot where the 2004 Orange Revolution had taken place, um, in which, um, again, you had a contested election, and the supporters of Viktor Yushchenko um, had come out onto the streets and protested. And so to see Independence Square, which is what Maidan is, um, and I think it was on that trip that uh, my friend had arranged two students of hers. They were twin boys, and we joked by calling them boy one and boy two because they were kind of trading off. Like, boy one was going to show me the sights. Um, in the morning, and then I was going to do a bus tour. You know, you know one of those hop on, hop off, hop off tours. Yeah. They haven't, yeah. And then the so boy two was going to pick me up after that. Um, so I have to confess that you know a lot of my impressions were done through my study of of Soviet history. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say there in two thousand eleven is you've probably been reading about how. Ukraine has had uh, a tough transition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, both boys had indicated to me as 20-year-olds that they were cynical of the government. Um, and so that was one of the impressions that I took away on that first trip, okay? Mm -hmm. um, but when I came back in 2016, this is after the 2014 Revolution of Dignity, which is what the Ukrainians call it. Mm -hmm. um, so this is Euromaidan, um, when Yanukovych eventually fled the country, is there seemed to be a real change in terms of Ukrainian nationalism. In 2011, as we were preparing for the conference, uh, mainly to get the paper presenters out of the way while they organized, <laughs> is they had the university students give us a tour of the sites. And Zaporizh is a, it's about a million people. And it has, at the time, it had the longest street named after Lenin because there was a lot of streets named after Lenin in the mm -hmm. Soviet Union. Okay. Um, and they, they and they joked about it, that they still hadn't changed the name. Okay. 
and what I remember is as we were walking down the street um, visiting sites from uh, World War II and we ended up at the square on the Dnieper River which now if we're being proper we're going to say Dnipro in Ukrainian mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the square was still a huge Lenin statue and that's 2011 and so like I said 2014 changed everything and uh, that statue was no longer there in 2016 and I remember one of my colleagues posting a picture of its removal and the street has been renamed but I don't know what it's I asked Stanky if she's been able to keep up with her friends and colleagues in Ukraine many of whom have fled the country but some have stayed during the invasion. There's one in particular that I did get a message from today because she's in, I think she's in Kiev. I haven't asked her where she is because, just in case. Sure. But I'll usually just check in and say, are you okay? Or I'll just make sure she's online. So I know that she still has internet and she did respond today that she was okay. Um, I don't know if she's attempting to flee. She posted on her Facebook page um, what her former students in Zaporizhia were doing for the effort. And I'm sure you've seen media where regular citizens are putting together, whether it's Molotov cocktails or um, an artist, I think it was in Lviv, is, 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 is putting together netting for camouflage. And she posted what the students at Zaporizhia um, University was doing is they were putting together like medical supply packages and relief packages for people. Um, So everyone is, you know, really definitely pulling together their part. I've, um, there are some, we've met some students on our study abroad trip who are from Ukraine, but live elsewhere in Europe. And so there's been a number of posts. Um, <laughs> today, one post came through about how to join the Foreign Legion. Because you've heard about people wanting to come in and join the fight. As right. As, right. And I, was, I, was, I didn't share that one. I, feel, I felt like there were certain things I really shouldn't pass on. Um, there's been like, now the tough question. Based on what she knows, what she studied, and what she's seen... How is this all going to end? Oh, gosh. Or does it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to actually even make any type of forecast because I think we just have to see how things evolve. Um, one of the, the things that the BBC has, um, they have a list of five ways this can end. Short war, in which Russia basically either takes over Ukraine and installs a puppet government, okay? A longer war, let's see, a diplomatic solution. That would be the best, to be quite honest with you, a diplomatic solution if they were able to find this. And um, I'm trying to think, a greater war. And then I think the fifth one was um, Putin is overthrown. and I think we just have to watch it day by day. And I think that's the agonizing part is 
one of the things that I was trying to emphasize the other day is I know everybody was saying, well, look, Putin's got 190,000 troops. Of course he's going to invade. And I was like, he just can't. I mean, he's, he, it's going to be a great miscalculation. Um, and I was obviously wrong. He invaded. But I was right about the sense of Ukrainian nationalism. So even if the Russians start to do better in Ukraine and it doesn't, if it somehow does not manage to escalate into Europe, is there's going to be a great Ukrainian resistance, I think. Um, and you, there's a history of this that goes back to the Russian Civil War, even in World War Two. interested in this topic. It's unfortunate that uh, most Americans learn their world geography when there's a war. So they have to figure out what, what in the world's going on. Um, but uh, I'm glad to see that uh, this one's got your attention because it deserves it. Uh, this is a very serious and dangerous situation uh, in Ukraine, in Europe. And, you know, you dig back in, in the history and, and try to find comparable circumstances and the ones you run across are, are all really don't work out well. And so, um, if I don't the think this is did anything. Uh, for me it showed that our young people do care, so not just about their fellow countrymen, but about their fellow men. Attendance wasn't a requirement, and, at um, least not that I'm aware of, and certainly not for everyone who was there. And the concern was genuine. And the content from Stanky uh, and her colleagues also was cultural reasons. Uh, uh, what we're seeing among Russian elites is not, I would say, nostalgia for the Soviet Union, but nostalgia for the Russian Empire. Uh, the, the term that they're using is uh, Ruski Mir, uh, Russian world or Russian civilization, which would include uh, Ukraine, Belarus, and perhaps the northern part of Kazakhstan. Now, uh, none, of, none of what I'm saying is to, to justify provide any kind of moral justification for Putin's actions. Uh, what, what's happening in Ukraine is truly horrific, and uh, every time I check the news, I'm afraid, well, what fresh horror am I going to read about? Uh, but the point is, it, it's not so much about morality. This is about understanding your opponent and trying to act appropriately to avoid the kinds of outcomes that, that we're seeing here. I, I've got a Now, there's a... Okay. What can you do about this conflict? Anybody? Be informed. Be informed. That's it. Look, if you're starting to get anxious, if this is scaring the hell out of you, turn it off. Okay, be informed. Don't let it run your life. You've got things that you've got to do. You've got tests. You've got classes. You've got friends and loved ones. Concentrate on that. Be informed and understand what's going on. You elect your leaders for a reason. Our military is there for a reason. And there's nothing that you can do about it right now. Luckily, for the first time in a long time, we're not at the center of this. Okay, it's not the US invading another country. It's Russia and Ukraine. So be informed. If you want to get involved, look at the charities that are out there. 
There are charities for Ukraine that you can contribute to. Online, if you have any friends in Ukraine, wish them the best. Tell them your prayers are with them. But you've got to go about your life. And you can't let this run your life. I ask one final question of Dr. Stanky. Her students are witnessing history. What are they learning from this moment? Well, as a historian, I'm going to say that it is the importance of knowing your history because things tend to just pop up and suddenly we're like, well, where did this happen? And um, we do need to know the history of it. And a lot of the students are very interested in, well, wh what's the origins of this okay. conflict? And some of you guys know is I have friends and colleagues in Ukraine. So this becomes very personal to me. Um, and I love Russia. That sounds really weird in this conversation, doesn't it? Okay, I would love to go back, okay? Um, but that's what I want to give you a little bit of a background on, and I hope that clarifies some things, and I'll turn it over to Dr. Alexander Davies.